I like to describe Weird Norfolk as a cabinet of curiosities containing forgotten folklore, paranormal experiences, odd places to visit, and just a, a real collection of interesting local history. I'm Shifra Connor and I'm the curator and researcher for Weird Norfolk. Fact, folklore, legend that relate to a whole manner of different things in the county, whether that be an artefact at Norwich Castle, whether that be an erratic stone left by a glacier. So I'm Stacia Briggs and I'm the writer for Weird Norfolk. This week, we're talking about the Guildencroft Bogey. So this story was originally part of our Halloween 2017 series and she forgot to make a shadow puppet that we had on the streets, (laughs) therefore possibly uh, bringing the Guildencroft Bogey back to life for real. Um. The story goes something like this. About 20 minutes' walk from the train station, Guildencroft is an area just off St Augustine Street. Today it's got a park and a recreation ground, but for centuries it was a mixture of houses, farmland and wilderness, and lurking in the wilderness was the Guildencroft bogey. Um, Here's one of the testimonies of one of the witnesses who saw the bogeyman. I was walking to the lathes when I saw it. It jumped out of the darkness and chased me down the road. I've never seen anything like it in all my puff. Horrible it was, all big and hairy, eyes glowing in the dark, big as tea saucers, big sharp teeth and its breath. Oh, verily, it was most noxious. Sightings of the Guildencroft bogey continued until the late 19th century and luckily one of the Weird Norfolk team had a contact that had heard of the Guildencroft bogey. That was handy, wasn't it? That was very handy. I wonder who that was. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Should we start by explaining that we're out and about again? We're at uh, Rimozano's in the Forum in Norwich. Yeah. yeah. Another little adventure. I'm, I'm just going to pull my it. chair in now, so it's probably going to make a horrible scraping noise. Is... Who is um, the bogey? Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and I've just raced, so raced from home as my, my shopping has just been delivered rather later than I thought. That's all the excuses out of the all way the now. All excuses yeah. out of the way now, yes, absolutely. So we've now got time to solve this one. Yes. So, so the Guildencroft is an area, it's kind of now kind of Oak Streety, St Augustine's area. Um, it has the, the longest line of Tudor houses in, in Britain, I, was, I think. I, I didn't know that they were there until we went down to do this. They're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, I was really, really surprised because mm. obviously the area around there isn't that pretty I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying it do you mean Norwich across the water I think you'll find it is I think you'll find it's lovely me and Denise went down there to like mess about with the shadow puppet and um there's a sentence you don't hear every day isn't it (laughs) and it was really lovely we did see some interesting characters when we were there um did one of them have noxious breath no, I didn't get that close to them. It's an area that used to belong to the only manor um, in medieval times in Norwich, Tolthorpe Manor. Um, 
and they believe the name comes from Geld, which is the rent that was paid to the manor by the people who lived there. It was once owned by the chap that Shakespeare is thought to take thought to have taken Falstaff's name from. Yeah, that's in the story. You should know that. Why do I bother? Yeah. <laughs> um, who would? <laughs> um, and it was. It's, I love this. I love this bit of Norwich because it was where um, exercise was taken, wasn't it? So it was a. It had the jousting acre. Now it's so built up that it's trying to picture it. So it was yeah. like a, a countryside kind of area. Yeah, so it was, it's quite hard to picture what it would have been like. There's a huge orchard there, um, a commercial orchard there, and some of the trees are still there. There's a couple of them that remain to this day. Um, but my favourite thing that was played there, the exercising is obviously good. Mm. And there's. <laughs> the exercising was good, and the jousting was great. I quite like the quintains, which sounds a bit Harry Potter. Which was these revolving targets, and when you hit them with a lance or a sword, they'd sandbag you in the face. <laughs> so that I quite like, but I prefer, and you know what I'm going to say, the fact that the first, the precursor to football was played, first played at Guildencroft, which is called Camp Ball. <laughs> if only it was still called Camp Ball. Do you think it would be as popular? <laughs> also, that makes it sound like it wasn't a pretty awful violent game it, it does it makes it sound like it was quite oh, yeah, nice everyone got dressed up we all had a bit of a kind of you know but no um it was it was kind of these this this early form of football they had these huge teams didn't they yeah. i mean not like you know 11 we're talking basically a village via village and they would they would play until they broke each other's bones or, or died so, you know, I know they always say that, for, you know, football's not a matter of life, death, life or death, it's more important than that. Camp ball was there far before that, and I people died. I it was still like that. I don't think many of the footballers today would last very long in a game of camp ball, would they? No. It's kind of, it was kind of really a, a cross between... Like <laughs> the only problem with that, you see, the injury time would probably go on for years, wouldn't it? It would go on for years. <laughs> it's, um, it's kind of... It go on for a really long time, yeah, though, as well, These matches like would go on for days. Yeah, yeah. And they would kind of drop dead of uh, exhaustion, which sounds fun, doesn't it? That's why everyone loves sports so very much. Um, but that was going on in Guildencroft. And I also quite like the fact that Edward III took his queen, Philippa. And the bit I like best about this is their son's name, who is Edward the Black Prince, which apparently is how, you know, so, oh, yeah, come on, Edward the Black Prince, hurry up. So like Black Philip from that film? Yes, Black Philip in, um, in which who is a goat not a boy um, but they came to watch a jousting tournament in Norwich at Guildencroft on St Valentine's Day in 1340 mm. and they say romance is dead what a lovely thing to do the bogey of, of uh, Guildencroft um, kind of first made his appearance funnily enough it seems in Victorian times um, I think bo- bogeymen are, are one of my favourites you might be able to tell. I think it's because the first book I ever asked for as a child was Fungus Bogeyman by Raymond Briggs, No Relation, which is my favourite book. That was one of my favourite book. books when I was a kid as well. Me and Janine used to properly like, go which through it about, over and over yeah, again. It's about a kind of nihilistic bungie ma- about bungie? bungie man. <laughs> <laughs> That's my theory for later. You're <laughs> <laughs> a bungie man. Fungus the bungie man. It's a whole different book that I may write. I've copyrighted that quickly. Um, 
but obviously bogeymen have existed for as long as we have basically it's kind of a he's kind of like a, a monstrous ace in the pocket for parents who want their children to behave isn't he yeah I think this one with him being a the more research I've kind of done I think he does sound more like a bogeyman but I actually stumbled across the story on the the Bigfoot sightings Yay. map <laughs> Sound like I'm not ever doing it again. You'll just have to go back and listen to that episode because that's that's not ever happening again. She keeps trying to get me to like do it for people. Like we'll just be. She goes, "Oh, do you?" I'm like no. She will do. <laughs> um, and by the power of podcast, we can hear that noise right now. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Thanks. I wish I'd never done it. Now we don't. Um, yeah, I found. Uh, the actual sighting was listed on the, the Bigfoot, UK Bigfoot or British Bigfoot sightings map. And um, so that's how I got into it. So he is technically considered a wild man. Is he? Yeah. So you could call to him. Yeah. There's a, that's a bonus, isn't it? <laughs> so we can get him to come out because see if we can go and have a shout for him. Because so many of the, the, the stories that we've talked about over the weeks have involved places where there's been sort of, you know, don't go near there because something will drag you in the water or something. But this is actually a, a, a humanoid, I suppose, really. Yeah, and, and I think I think he was certainly my witness who I asked. I said, do you mind if I mention who you are? And she went, yes. So I thought, oh, brilliant. But it'll be really obvious who it is in a minute. Um, <laughs> it, this, this is kind of obviously come from a folklore story about somebody seeing something in the shadows but has then become a bogeyman because he's used almost as a threat which I think is is common for these kind of things you know you've got that kind of invisible menace that that's under the bed under the you know in the bit under the stairs shadows inside the wardrobe can you imagine a parent doing that I have to say, every time I read that, and, and kind of, and, and it's and it's written as kind of a, a reasonable thing to do, I kind of think, who are these people who say that kind of thing? I because that my is ever saying no, like that to me. no, that's because they're nice. I, I think the kitten incident. Yeah, we'll talk of that another day. Um, <clears throat> but the, uh, I think, I think if you're the kind of parent that uses the threat of a bogeyman, then you've got bigger issues than than the bogeyman probably, haven't you? It's just a, a cruel thing to do. It's just scaring your child, isn't it? Yeah, just get them to behave. Just say do it because it's nice to do it. Don't tell them there's a shapeless entity under the bed that will take them in the night if they don't brush their teeth. <laughs> That's my parenting advice for the day. Anyway, yes, yeah, so this, this bogeyman was still recalled by people, or is still recalled because my witness, who's 77, I don't know many of them, um, remembers <laughs> remembers being warned about behaviour and, and she lived in the Gildencroft area she lived in St Augustine's um, her house was actually bombed out during the war in, in, in the 1940s so literally she was born in 1940 she um, lived in St Augustine's her mum by complete chance took her for a walk in the pram that day they came back, the house was gone um, but she remembers when she was a little, or kind of probably four or five, and there, that she was told that if she didn't kind of go to sleep, and if she didn't 
misbehave or she misbehaved, then the Gildencroft bogey would come and get her. Um, and that was, you know, from somebody who I'm also maybe related to, who, um, who, you know, would have would have been around in the late 1890s yeah. Yeah. and would have heard of this, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, so, so we, you've answered your own question. What sort of parent? Yeah, my <laughs> would nan. <do> it? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was a different, was, a different time, time. <laughs> but that was all completely reasonable, wasn't it? To scare your children, <laughs> witless by uh, telling them that they were going. And my mum possibly was a real pain in the backside. Who knows? You know, you have to it's kind like, of. It's really nice that Norwich has its own bogeyman. It's like we have our own. Um, Valentine's kind of thing as well, yeah, with Jack, Jack Valentine, Valentine, where it doesn't, there's nothing else, no one else does anything like that, and we've we've actually Maybe got our own. He's kind of the Father Christmas stroke Krampus, so we've got yeah, we've got the good guy yeah. and we've also got the bad guy. Yeah. But the 77 year old who I know quite well um, told me when I asked um, that her mum would say, and this is the quote: "If I got out of bed and he was passing, he would take me away." If I heard a tapping on the window, it was him reminding me to be good. Of course it worked, because I was absolutely terrified. If she thought she heard me on the stairs or in the hall, she'd shout up, he's coming to get you. But of course it was never me on the stairs, because the bogeyman had done his job and I was too scared to move, which makes you wonder, who did my mother hear on the stairs? <laughs> who knows? Really yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit creepy, isn't it? But it was definitely something that she grew up believing to be true and, and whether that's because it kind of then becomes true because you then create this fear this yeah. because there's always something lurking in the dark I think in your the idea imagination of it becoming true is really interesting because part of this when I was doing this research I was obviously looking into bogeyman and I I had heard of this character before but I started reading more about him um, was the slender man and that was a fictional creation that people believe is real and so he has morphed into like an urban legend explain what he is so he's a originally he was an entry for a competition on some website to make like really creepy pictures and the, the this picture won and it was a black and white picture kind of looking like in the 50s uh, with children playing on a park and just in the background there's a really tall dark figure with almost like tentacles coming out from behind him like lurking over the children so it was really really creepy <laughs> but there's old. been so many like there's been loads of films about him now um, you know loads of illustrations more pictures have been made there's um Oh, what did I, what was it called? I found, oh, hang on, the name of this really strange, like... Oh, it's called Marble Hornets, and it's a YouTube series. And it's just, like, little clips of films that have... So, basically, a guy was filming a film for, like, an end-of-year, like, university project, and he basically went mad. And uh, it's all of his clips, and someone's gone through them, and then every... And, and it, some of the clips, like, you see glimpses of the slender man but this whole thing has become so real to people even though everybody knows where it came from and see that development of it becoming an urban legend is, is really quite fascinating there was a really awful um uh case recently i think it was like 2012 or something where two young girls they were about they're about 12 years old tried to kill one of their friends they, they stabbed her she survived 
um, but it's because they wanted to curry favour with the Slenderman so they could become one of his monsters. And it's like, how are they... They really believed that he was real, even though everybody knows that he's not. Yeah. So when do they become real? I kind of think they become real as soon as you believe in them, don't they? I, I mean, I think I was saying to you yesterday that my daughter, who I have not brought up to believe in the bogeyman, and I have no problem with the dark whatsoever, and I'm not easily frightened, am I? Even though I don't want to do all the stuff you want to do. But still, I'm not. I would happily walk about in the dark and, and not have a problem. She's terrified of the dark. And still to this day, she's 20, will, will check under her bed and in her wardrobe every night because she's got this fear there's something there. And if you actually talk to her and say, you know, Ruby, what could be there? And she'll kind of say, well, you know, I just, I'm just checking. And so it's obviously something that, that you create in your, in your mind. And as soon as you have, then it's there, isn't it? You, you know, she's looking for something. So in her mind, there's something to look for. But I said to you, though, what would she actually do if she's found something? No call for me. Matt, could you imagine like looking under your bed and seeing like a pair of red oh, eyes looking oh, no. up at you? Yeah. I'd no. rather not look. That's what you said, I'd rather not look. I know what's under my bed. There's a, a series of very neatly stacked boxes uh, that are very so organised. No there's no room for a buggy man under my bed. I've made that sure. Not that with my mum and my it, nan. Just, like, I know. I don't, to, I don't want that to be brought down the generations. Thank you very much. Um, so are, are, are there any reports of actual sightings or is it all in the mind no there are there are actual reports of actual sightings of this one so that i think we've got two or three reports and they all say the same thing that it's got these massive sorcery eyes that it's hairy that it smells that so that makes it you think could it actually because it's people have actually seen it and, and given like witness statements it, it, does it actually then fall back into the cryptozoology kind of side of it is there a, was there some kind of beast around that time that yeah. was, was lurking? Although at that time when it was actually seen, it wouldn't have had the cover that it would have when everybody was jousting and playing mm. Delightful Campbell because the, the, those woodlands had gone. It was you know hugely built up by See, that stage. Like, it's still cover though, isn't it? Because you've got little streets and alleyways and mm. it depends what kind of creature it was. Not in the was. same way. The, no. the, 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 it couldn't the be like a wild man living. Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, not... not <laughs> who you're always calling to. Um, in the way that he lives, she, he, let's not be sexist, lives in, in, in land with cover. There's not, there wouldn't have been a huge amount of that kind of cover apart from sewers and things. In Norwich, but I suppose they have to adapt. Could it be like a Spring Hill Jack character, maybe? Possibly. What's the Spring Hill Jack? So, Spring Hill Jack was uh, again a kind of urban legend from the Victorian era, and he was meant to like leap from building to building and scare women, is the general consensus. But there was. So, he was in London, I think in Manchester or Liverpool, but there was a case of him being at Yarmouth. Was there, there were reports, yeah. I, I haven't got that on my list to look more into. But, um, yeah. So, maybe he's that kind of character. Maybe it was because there were thoughts that the Spring Heel Jack was someone just dressed up with, like, springs on their shoes. So, it could have been, could it have been someone who was just messing with them and dressing up and thought it was funny? Yeah, plus I, I kind of I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of it being it becoming part of the social code, mm. it becoming something that people take, whether it be a story, whether it actually happened, and, and it becomes something that 
that is then another form of control that you take something that happens and you say well if you don't then this will happen and it's you know it's something you see in fairy tales isn't it i mean fairy tales are hugely moralistic aren't they if you look at the grimm's tales it's all about behave yourself or or you'll be eaten by a wolf or you'll be put in an oven by a witch or you'll be... But a lot of religions like that as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly the yeah. same. It's basically just behave yourself, isn't yeah. it? Or something bad will happen. to behave themselves. Yeah, rather than looking inside yourself and saying, I will behave myself because that's the right thing to do, they're, ask, they're telling you, you know... Choosing fear to... Yeah, it's, it's a bit like... It's a bit it's a bit like when Santa fails, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So you kind of try the whole if you're a good boy or girl then Santa will come and bring Father Christmas, whoever we'd like to call him, and um, will come with presents and sweets and stuff. And if the sweets and the presents don't work, then you bring out the big guns and you say, Okay, look, you know, that deal's done. Uh, behave yourself or some hideous entity under your bed is gonna kind of drag your soul out in the night and uh, uh, and leave you miserable for all time. Happy New Year. Um, sleep well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, with, with, with some of these sightings, though, you know, characters in the shadows and things, all that's doing is reinforcing the folklore, isn't it, mm. and, and, and the stories. So, could, actually, like, that, could be, that could be him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's almost a catch-22, isn't it, that you, you kind of think to yourself, well, you know gosh everyone's using it as this social construct and aren't they clever and coming up with something to make people behave and actually outside you know that tapping on the window that you say listen to that that's the best it actually is you know oops (laughs) (laughs) so so, uh, maybe ruby's got it right and then checking under the bed is the right thing to do although i kind of feel you'd smell him before you saw him yeah it sounds like it from the description doesn't it yeah he's quite shaggy and you know he does have he does fit a bigfoot description though doesn't he yeah, how would you call for him if he uh, <laughs> if you saw him in Gilbert How would you how would you greet him? I'm rolling my eyes again. <laughs> and we'll get it to happen. Um, um, the, the, the other thing is that that doesn't matter how rational you are, how dismissive you are to all these stories. When you come across somebody who's actually seen it or experienced it, you then start to question it yourself. Doesn't matter. You, you think, well, actually, well, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and, and that is where imagination is such a, a powerful tool because it, I was kind of, I, as I said, I'm, I'm not fond of the dark in any way unless I start thinking about the dark. So I can wander about in my house at night, I can, wander, I can walk up and down the street where we have no lights, it doesn't bother me. As soon as I start thinking about it, the minute in fact I think, oh I'm walking along in the dark and it really doesn't bother me, it then starts to bother me because I then think, well, why does it bother other people? I suppose they think that something could jump out. Something could jump out. And then, you know, it's that kind of rolling fear. But rolling fear is always based on some form of reality, isn't it? It's always based on some fact that's happened to somebody or something has happened. Because otherwise there would be well, no fear. We, we've talked about that before, haven't we? Like there, there being a grain of truth. In all of these stories, there is a grain that, that set it off. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's just got really... Preposterous? I can't say it. Prosperous. Prosperous. Just keep trying. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. <laughs> It'll be in there somewhere. One of them will be right. Yeah, yeah there will be. And then some feel more believable, don't they? Yes. So. Yeah. 
I kind of I like to think that he's there, and, and we did we we did this one for Halloween, and I did fight for him, didn't yeah. I? I wasn't sure because there wasn't there isn't much at no. all to go on. And so then I pulled out the big guns, which is I was my like, character Can you witness. Do 650 words on this, Stacia. And she yes. was like, yeah. I can literally write 650 words. So if Stacia can anything. write 650 words on it, then we do it. And seeing as I could write 650 words on a block of concrete, uh, this is never a problem. But um, And also, I had, yeah, the old girl to. Yeah, that's, to, that um, was a, a star yeah. witness. Oh, did I mention. Oh, oh by the way. By the way. <laughs> Forgot to say, my mum saw him. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't see him. But yeah, so I, I like the Gildencroft bogey. I like Gildencroft. I like everything about this story, and I yeah, love. I, was worried, I, I liked. I'm glad we did it because I was worried he was going to be forgotten as well. And hopefully, we've kind of brought him back from the I brink. I saw you messing around with that puppet. There were there were some people who saw us because some people were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> We're well, just reenacting the Gildenkopf bogey. Nothing to see here. Move I'm along. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, he's oh, great. It's, it's he's great. He's worth Googling to look up because she from made an awesome puppet. And we, we're already now planning Halloween this year, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We've got some things special planned. Of course. Obviously. <laughs> but the, let's go back to the area as well because am I right in thinking it's where I think it is? There's also the Roman... The, the walls are there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the walls are there. Um, um, Amelia the Opie is there. Yes, it's it's a very odd little area of Norwich. Actually, it's, it's, it's almost like stepping back in time a little bit, yeah. isn't it? Because you have like all of the really built-up areas, like you know, you've got Anglia Square down there, and there's like the, there's some shops around there, which I think built on where there was a swimming pool. Yeah. But anyway, it's really built up, yeah. and then you it's just turn this little. Again. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then you just turn the corner and you're um, there's these Tudor buildings and it's it's just amazing. And I was reading yesterday by complete chance um, that there was that one of Norwich's most infamous murders at, at Oak Street, wasn't it? It was around the corner, oh, really? the Martha Sheward, oh, where he hacked her to pieces, um, killed her with a razor and hacked her to pieces and distributed her across Norwich, and then got away with it for 17 years, and then confessed because he couldn't take it anymore. Yep. So that happened in Gildencroft as well. So it was it was a really it was a kind of it was a workers area. It had a reputation, didn't it? Yes, it had a reputation for, for, for naughty behaviour, yeah. didn't it? Which again makes you think, was it somebody dressing up? Well they quite love it's not like today, is it, where you can just get something on Amazon and other places. But you can't just pick up a Bigfoot cut, can you? Well, Chief, I don't no, know. they might have like dressed like in rags and put it in poo to make it smell. Well, there's a cheap idea for anybody hoping to dress up this Halloween on a budget. Just get some rags, put them in some poo, and off you go. Lovely. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think they could have. It could have been somebody playing a a trick. Just seems quite pointless. You you kind of think if you're going to play, because it's gone down in history. Like we are still talking about it. If you're going to do that kind of thing, if they were going to make that kind of effort, when in a time when you were struggling to have any cash. Um, you'd have wanted to do it to somebody new, wouldn't you? Mm. But unless they liked the idea of it being a mystery, well, and they're like, and so, and so, if it was reported in the lo- in the papers, or you know, here, if they're down the pub and they hear someone talking about it, and they're like, that was me. Yes. I did that. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the. Um, there was, there was. It was apparently there was, there was smoking of herrings there as well. So it would have, it would have smelt quite. Mm. 
dodgy anyway around there. But yeah, it was an area, wasn't it, where they were they were well known for their naughty naughty behaviour. The area seems to have been notorious for the wildness of its inhabitants. And I've just noticed that in 1671, um, it was decided there was too much fun in commas, being had in Guildencroft, and the bellman or town crier was ordered to tell people there that they were, in commas, spoiling the grass with their immoderate campings and dancings. I think, we, well, I think we know what they're saying. Yeah, but that is interesting, isn't it? If it, if it was known for that sort of tomfoolery... Tomfoolery. <laughs> and I believe that ladies plied their trade in those in that area as well. Maybe Croft was the oldest um, trade. a creation of the... I don't know, the local council at the time or something. I don't know what they would have been. To keep people away from that area. If yeah. they, they create something that people are scared of, then people won't go there. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory, isn't it? I'm, I'm full of conspiracy wow. theories. Oh, One more thing before we round up. I just want to give a shout-out to the Australian bogeyman because he's called a bunyip. I think that sounds really cute. What do you think he would sound like? <laughs> yes, we're all ears. <laughs> listening to this week's weird norfolk episode you can find us every week in the eastern daily press on page 13 of weekend supplement you can also find an archive of all of our stories at edp24.co.uk and if you're feeling social you can follow us on twitter and instagram at weird norfolk Weird Norfolk podcast is a Richard Fair production for the Eastern Daily Press. We'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts and your weird stories. Just contact us at weirdnorfolk at archant.co.uk.